1: It's Thursday, October 26th, 2023, the 1009th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'myourmoderator.substack.com. The U.S. House of Representatives convened yesterday and finally came to terms on electing a new Speaker of the House. So our wonderful three-week run of having the most limited possible government has now ended. And as you might imagine, I think that's unfortunate. Now, yesterday, obviously, I did not record an episode of this podcast John Harold and I covered the speaker vote, and it took about three and a half hours, the whole process. 45 minutes of them taking attendance like a kindergarten classroom with technology and a job that they still can't accomplish in under five minutes, despite the fact that they are adults who should be able to be on time when doing important government business on behalf of other people. But I understand it's being a little greedy to expect them to be able to take attendance properly. And then, of course, they went into some nomination speeches. We had Elise Stefanik tell us how important Israel was again before telling us how much she loves Mike Johnson. And then Pete Aguilar told us about how Democrats really had their finger on the pulse of the country. And he listed a. Series of Democrat priorities. Thank goodness he did, because all of those ideas have been rejected by everyone already. So he is just really advertising that a change must be made. And of course, he nominated the buffoonish, half-baked replica version of Barack Obama, Hakeem Jeffries. Hakeem Jeffries is basically Barack Obama if Barack Obama was an audio cassette tape that had been copied. And that became Hakeem Jeffries. So after their little nomination speeches, then we go into voting for the speaker. And that takes like another 45 minutes. They have to go name by name through each and every congressman. And then at the end of that, they have to go through all the people who are missing. And then they have to go through that again. And then they eventually give us a result. And the result is that Mike Johnson won and there was much applause and hooting and hollering during the vote. A Democrat woman stepped up and said happy anniversary to her wife. Oh, it was so woke. What a raucous affair. Anyway, Mike Johnson became elected as speaker and then he took a whole troop of Members of Congress out into the halls so he could make a grand entrance later. Oh, all the pomp and circumstance. Mike Johnson's very important. We need Steve Scalise in a mask and the rest of the Republican leadership, some of the Democrat leadership, they will all accompany him into the room as he walks down and takes his place as the 56th Speaker of the United States House of Representatives, blah, blah, blah. The pomp and circumstance when it comes to public servants must end. It is absolutely ridiculous to treat a congressman as if he is some conquering hero who just saved the country in an overseas war. But my point is that all of this took quite a long time. Hakeem Jeffries gave a speech, awful, offensive, stupid, The words you could use for it, we could just go on and on all day. Descriptors of Hakeem Jeffries' speeches. Hakeem Jeffries tries to punctuate almost every word he says with a hand gesture. And it's funny because as I tell you that on this podcast, I am punctuating all the words I say with hand gestures, and I feel like my hands are moving quite a lot. Is it a workout? Who knows? So Hakeem Jeffries' speech ends, and then Mike Johnson gives a speech. Oh, there was soaring rhetoric, something for everyone, really. And then people began reacting, and we're going to talk about some of those reactions, but I want to approach it from just slightly off-center, and I want to contextualize that within some of the discussions we've been having over the past few days, because one of the things that really became obvious yesterday was that people had attached in an emotional way to this man, Mike Johnson, despite the fact that like 98% of people had never really experienced much of anything having to do with Mike Johnson. Some people have watched him in hearings, and that is about as much exposure as anyone had to Mike Johnson until Tuesday. And now there's certainly nothing wrong with not having experienced everything that is Mike Johnson before Tuesday. There's just something a little strange about attaching yourself emotionally to a man you didn't know existed two days ago. I mean, what sort of investment could anyone have in that sort of thing? We've talked for weeks now about why having a Speaker of the House isn't a great option. And again, I'm more than happy to be optimistic. We play the cards that we are dealt and we play them to the best of our ability. Did I get the cards I wanted? No, I would have rather had something else happen if we were in a normal scenario. And we have to analyze everything as if it is a normal scenario so that we can understand it on that level in case it's true and so that we can interact with other people who are certainly understanding it on that level. It is worth analyzing at that level. So if all of this is real and all of this is just happening naturally as it unfolds, then we can prefer other options and be disappointed with the option we have. Because we should strive for the best option in all of these circumstances. Or what's the point? We want to imagine ideals and work towards those ideals. Otherwise, we don't have a picture. We don't have a goal in front of us. We don't have an idea of where we're headed. We need to create that ideal. What do we want? Where could we take this? What is the best case scenario? And then push toward that. And if we come up short with something acceptable, we can say, all right, we definitely made some progress. This is an improvement. This is something we can work with while we push forward. Sometimes we're not going to be satisfied with what happens at all. That doesn't mean that we change the standard and try to pretend we're really happy about the thing we got. We say, okay, well, that's not ideal. We're going to have to keep pushing harder. And maybe people don't want to do that. I can certainly understand. Maybe people want to take a win, feel like things are solved, or they're going to be on the path to being solved And then you get to tune out a bit. Well, look at that. We got that one. We got Mike Johnson in there. Mike Johnson's going to be our savior. Kevin McCarthy, ah, we thought he might save us, but he didn't. Mike Johnson, though, could save us. I've only known about him for two days, but I feel like maybe he's our new savior. I'm going to go check in on the relationship status of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. We can't play that game. And if you want to play that game, fine. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not playing that game. And when someone tries to play that game with me, I say, "Ah, I'm not playing that game. I'm not trying to get little wins that they talk about on television. Getting Mike Johnson elected as speaker in an illegitimate Congress while our elections don't count. That's just not going to save the country. We have to interact with the situation as if it was normal and real happening in real time, developing as we go along, because other situations do do that. And we have to be able to interact with those aspects. On the other hand, we can see that there is something much bigger going on, the big picture view of everything. And there's the fact that things are progressing in our direction and cannot be stopped. I firmly believe that. We've talked about this plenty of times. As people wake up, They want the same thing as other people. They want to have nice lives and be good people. When the brainwashing wears off, they generally realize that the way they were living before might not be ideal. We can trust that other people will follow along and want to make things right. Not everybody. Some of them will just go back to sleep on the other side. Some of them will just duck out and stop participating. People are going to do what people are going to do. But most people, when they wake up, they want to help. Because they thought they already were, they realized they weren't, and they want to reapply that energy. That is ultimately the sort of thing that will bring us to the American Renaissance in the future, and I firmly believe that as well. And from that big picture viewpoint, you can see that there is a plan, and it's not some crazy plan. It's not some crazy conspiracy theory. The global regime has all sorts of plans. They publish those plans. They hold conferences to tell the world about their plans. They film themselves talking about it and they publish those videos. They write books about it and they publish those books. Anybody can read about their plans. They talk about their plans. They implement their plans and you can see the results of their plans. The system works. You can see the system. All you have to do is witness it and you know, oh yeah, that's a system. You can see all the parts working together and producing the results they tell you the system will produce as they implement the system. And if they have a plan, certainly anyone trying to stop them would have a plan as well. If you know where the enemy is going and what they want to accomplish, then you know what you have to stop to believe that no one has put any thought into that problem or tried to act In response to that problem, well, that's insane. To think that people responding to that problem would not be working together to react to that problem is insane. And so ultimately, what we have is one plan working against another plan. One of those plans is centralized and handed down from authority at the very top. The other plan is more decentralized, and it is an act of and by the people as they realize what it is they must respond to. And the people collectively can respond to that plan simply by not complying. Don't go along with the plan. Don't believe the people when they tell you that their plan will be better. Don't try to encourage other people to participate in their plan. The people can do all of these things, and these things are actually quite effective because part of the enemy's plan is getting everyone to go along with it. So from the big picture perspective. I can totally understand that Mike Johnson being placed in that position is in fact part of that plan. Wonderful. I can absolutely agree with that and see that point. But still, if we are trying to think our way through all of these problems and get to that next level where we actually can be people who participate in a government of by and for the people, then we need to be thinking for ourselves. And determining how we believe things should progress forward. I personally believe that the U.S. House of Representatives, as it stands right now, is illegitimate. And that they should not be allowed to, quote unquote, govern us. They should not be allowed to elect a speaker. I believe in a principled way that what should happen is Congress should be vacated. So I do not like to see a new speaker elected. And I do not like to see awake people applaud like seals when something happens because they're told, oh, we won this one, guys, by the television, especially when the person being empowered has only been known by most people for two days. And I'm not trying to say everybody just saw him for the first time on Tuesday. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say virtually no exposure for years. There aren't a whole lot of people who are like the very few of us who actually watch congressional hearings and are really uh, dorky about all this stuff. That's not the general public. Most people didn't hear a Mike Johnson before a couple days ago, and we don't have to pretend otherwise. People are getting really excited about something while knowing very little about it. It's basically like meeting a girl at the casino in Las Vegas and then taking her down to that little wedding chapel and getting married. Sure, it could work out. And sure, you might be able to take her to brunch with your friends. And the first 10 minutes, she would impress the shit out of them. And they would all be like, wow, man, what a great move you made going to Vegas and getting wasted in a club and then meeting a girl in the casino and taking her down to that little chapel and getting married (laughs) genius. And then 20 minutes later, she's shit faced and throwing sausage links at your buddies. You can't just make these lifetime emotional commitments to someone you just met. It's just a bad idea. And it's not bad for someone to point that out. In fact, if you were in that casino and your friends were around and they said, hey, man, yeah, I think you should marry her. Then your friends are probably retarded and may not have your best interests at heart. So the thing is, I'm just that friend in the casino telling you, hey, You don't have to marry this guy. And by guy, I mean, Mike Johnson, not the girl in the casino. That's a girl. I'm not suggesting that you're gay. Okay. I mean, unless you're a woman listening and then you don't have to marry that guy would be appropriate even beyond Mike Johnson. I think you get what I'm saying here. So the point is there can be a plan that puts Mike Johnson in that place. And we can be satisfied and comfy with that, and we can play the cards that we are dealt to the best of our abilities. We can be optimistic about Mike Johnson. We can understand there might be a way that there is something that we're missing, and we can be overjoyed if we are amazed that Mike Johnson goes above and beyond what anyone thought was possible and become an historic Speaker of the House as Andy Biggs, congressman, guy that we all think is on the right side of things, went into pretty deeply with Lou Dobbs on Lou Dobbs's podcast this morning. Andy Biggs, big fan of Mike Johnson. Andy Biggs' word carries a lot of weight. He had a bunch of great things to say about Mike Johnson. Let's hope he's right. He certainly knows Mike Johnson better than we do and far better than any of the people who became immediately emotionally attached to him despite only knowing him for the last 2 days. And I don't want to lose sight of what we discussed with Jim Jordan a couple of weeks ago. Jim Jordan, fine man, seems to be a good and faithful patriot. He is smart. He is competent. He is well-spoken. We can all want great things in the future for Jim Jordan. And we can also recognize that not only will a Speaker of the House's hands be tied First of all, because of the total illegitimacy of every branch of our federal government as it is displayed to us right now, but also because there are lots of bad things that still have to happen along a bunch of different narrative through lines, and those things are going to happen with someone in that seat. Who is that going to be? We are still going to have further economic hardships to come. There is no one who doubts that. Even the regime side understands that part of their plan is crashing the economy and then switching people to the central bank digital currency. On the flip side of that, the move away from the central bank's fiat currency has its own kind of crash attached. And that still has to play out with someone in that position and someone in the position of president and certain senators, etc., and that stuff is happening between now and the purported election of 2024. At some point in this next year, there are a series of bad things that we can expect. And whoever's in that speaker's chair, whoever is there putting forward these spending bills, that person is going to end up with some level of responsibility for doing this. Much like Kevin McCarthy just did. If Mike Johnson goes in and passes all of these appropriations bills and he passes a CR or he passes an omnibus bill, he could and should meet the same fate as Kevin McCarthy. And by the way, all of us have to be prepared to dole that out and not say, well, you know, Mike Johnson, he's a really good conservative, according to Fox News. So I say we give him another chance. No. No. There are no chances, no chances. Do what the people demand or get out, period. Why would it be any other way? Why would anyone stand for it any other way? These people are not our bosses. We don't owe them our understanding. We don't owe them Saying to one another, oh, well, they really do have a difficult job. Can you imagine having to get all those congressmen together, trying to get them to do the work of the American people? Gosh, they just swore an oath to do that. But you know how hard that's got to be? No, we're not doing that. Why why would we do that? Why do people think that that is our job? Oh, well, you know, we got to give Mike Johnson another chance. No, don't spend the money. A Speaker of the House was just removed for the first time in hundreds of years because he couldn't say no to spending that money to doing the work of the regime and committing the American people to an extension of their own indentured servitude for more generations to come so that the regime's bankers could create fiat currency out of nothing and then launder it while saying it's being spent on our behalf. The answer is no. If you make the answer yes, you must be removed. Is that Mike Johnson's fate? That's the question that has to be asked. Mike Johnson has now been put in here. Who knows? Maybe the plan is ultimately for Mike Johnson to do good MAGA things and then be removed by the Uniparty, by some collection of Democrats with Republicans working with them. That could 100 percent happen. We just saw Matt Gates plus seven people bring the motion of vacate and vote for it along with all the Democrats. And that removed the speaker. You could find eight establishment Republicans to go with Democrats, bring a motion of vacate and remove Mike Johnson. That can totally happen. And we shouldn't shut ourselves off to that possibility. That is a very real possibility. But my point here is that understanding there is a larger plan in place and that Mike Johnson being in this position now was certainly part of that plan. We don't know what that plan is. We can't know ultimately what that plan is. And if and when we see a plan play out, we don't know whether that was the plan initially because plans must be responsive and plans necessarily will change. Regardless, there is no justification for us committing ourselves emotionally to someone who we understand is simply part of a plan. Now, I get the attitude of just sit back, watch it. It's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to affect it. It is happening in front of you. There are other things you should focus your attention on, like your local community, your family, your friends. Do something locally. Work on behalf of election integrity, go to your school board meetings, get out and talk to your friends and neighbors about what's right. Make sure that they know you are understanding what's going on. They can come to you. You can discuss it collectively, help each other understand what's happening. All of these are great and productive things. If you just want to sit back and watch the thing as it happens, I totally get that perspective. I'm not operating on that perspective right now, but I understand it and no one is obligated to do other things they don't want to do. Everybody can make their own choices about what their involvement is, but that's not the same as saying, because this person is part of this plan and we are watching this thing play out, we should all be happy or think he's good. A lot of people made that case with Kevin McCarthy that Kevin McCarthy was Trump's guy. Now he's the speaker. That means Kevin McCarthy is a good guy and he's playing a good part in the plan. Maybe all those things are true. Maybe they all are. But is it responsible to just sit back and assume that and then just watch as everything happens while there are people influencing what's happening and you just choose not to be one of them? It's an interesting philosophical conversation at least and one we're not going to resolve in this podcast But regardless, as I have said, since it became clear that we were going to have to deal with this period with the fake president, that the illegitimacy was going to be on some level codified, at least in the minds of the general public, I said we had to look at all of this two ways. We have to travel down two paths at the same time. We have to understand the big picture reality. And we have to interact with what everyone else believes to be normal life as it happens in real time. And that these events are as they are described on television and happening in that timeline as described on television. Now, the way I respond to these events is based solely on how I think things should go compared to a given ideal, as I understand it, knowing that my understanding of that idea progresses over time. The ideal itself changes as I learn and experience more. So I base my reaction relative to what I want to happen. And as you all know, in this case, what I wanted was no speaker until our elections are made legitimate. Let's see. Everybody in government, if they want to continue being funded, if they want the house back in session, if they want money for foreign wars, well, show us that our elections are legitimate. Bring out all the evidence that says our elections are legitimate. Let everybody review the votes. Let everybody review the process. Let's open up that code on those Dominion machines. Let's get it all out in the open. And until that, the answer is no. No speaker is the best speaker. We should have demanded the government be kept as limited as possible until it is able to prove its own legitimacy. These are servants of the people. They should be able to prove their legitimacy in office before they pretend to govern or rule over us. And I don't believe that's too much to ask, but we didn't get my ideal. We got something else. And for some reason, so many people in our community had the reaction of focusing on how everyone was feeling about this new guy. Oh, well, you know, I really need to know how to feel about this new guy. Why? Now, I understand that I'm a little unusual. People very close to me in my life say, my, 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 you are a little unusual. How do you think about this emotional sort of situation as if you are some kind of robot and totally detached? And I say, hey, I don't know. But I think part of it is understanding that I'm not going to immediately know what's going on all the time and I'm going to be wrong a lot. So investing all of my emotions into something I can admit honestly to myself, I don't understand all the ins and outs of has always seemed a little crazy to me. Needless to say, it was not my priority yesterday to figure out how I should feel about Mike Johnson being the new speaker of the house. I feel annoyed because I did not want to see our Congress go back to business as usual under the pretense of legitimacy when they do not have legitimacy. But I understand that's not how things are working, and it's all good. I'm not trying to figure out whether or not I can commit emotionally to Mike Johnson for the long term. A lot of people committed to Kevin McCarthy long term because they believed that Kevin McCarthy was part of the plan and then still got mad at Matt Gates and MAGA extremists when Kevin McCarthy was ousted. That doesn't make sense. I didn't feel anything about Kevin McCarthy. And I still don't, even though the premise for Mike Johnson being elected unanimously yesterday was that Kevin McCarthy had been exposed as the guy undermining all of the other speaker nominees. And we'll get into a little bit of that in a little bit. I think that story kind of falls apart upon examination and you can determine whether or not you agree with me. But everybody apparently accepted that as part of their emotional justification for committing themselves to Mike Johnson and marrying him inside a tiny church just off the strip. Don't you know they said Kevin McCarthy was the whole problem, and now that problem has been solved. He was outed now, everyone understands what's going on, and all of those thirty-three or forty-three Republicans who Kevin McCarthy had under his thumb, ha huh, now they're just exercising their own freedom. Well, okay, guys, but that's not going to change how I feel. Why? Because the story's ridiculous. Also, why? Because you just heard it 10 minutes ago and haven't even thought it through. And you're telling me that's just the new truth now. It is amazing how our discernment just drops away. Everything that we have developed over time just drops away in a moment where the emotionality is ratcheted up to 12. We just saw it a couple of weeks ago with the Israel stuff, and it's maintained that pace. For the last couple of weeks and that emotional stuff was part of the impetus for saying it was a necessity to get a new speaker of the house in there as fast as possible because Israel and Ukraine need our help. And then just a few hours after the house thing happened, we have a new mass shooter and a push by congressional Democrats for assault weapons bans. They want gun bans just a few hours after the House gets back in session. Isn't that amazing? If you have a mass shooting and everybody calling for gun bans while there's no Congress in session, well, that's going to seem a little silly. But now that Congress is back in session, we have a mass shooting and people calling for gun bans. My, 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 a new event occurs. And it just so happens that that event supports the entire belief structure that says we need to ban assault weapons immediately. Gosh, something in their agenda that they already wanted to do. Well, look at this new traumatic event. It's finally time. For you guys to do that thing we've always been telling you to do what amazing timing new speaker of the house (laughs) don't look over there we have a mass shooting and also there was that whole biden 40 fbi informants thing don't pay attention to that either all that matters is this shooting and the only response possible is to pass a gun ban now that the house is back in session and thank goodness right I mean, everybody told me how irresponsible I was being, suggesting that we don't need a Speaker of the House. Oh, we do need a Speaker of the House. Let's get serious. The adults need to be back in the room. We need a Speaker of the House. The government should be doing its job and governing. That's what we sent them there to do. (laughs) Okay, you guys were right again. Nailed me. Thank goodness the government is back right when we need them because You know, Democrats are going to push a gun ban and you know that rhino Republicans could be swayed to go along with them. I mean, they were in the Senate. Don't forget about that staunch Texas conservative John Cornyn out there telling America how it actually preserves their second amendment to chip away at it. At some point, you got to think about what sort of issue would cause some centrist, rhino uniparty right Republican to bring a motion to vacate against Mike Johnson. I have half a mind to think that him passing immediately a resolution regarding Israel and that being something that went absolutely viral. Everybody everywhere knows that he did that. Now, that could be shielding for later on in case he doesn't bring Israel funding to the floor, and then it'll all make sense. That could be the sort of issue over which they might go after him hard and might bring a motion to vacate. Again, all you need is a handful of uniparty right members with little Rs next to their name, joining with all those Democrats, and then they bounce the MAGA Republican. And who knows who'd be next after that. And again, a lot of bad things that have to happen between now and a year from now. Who's going to be the one in that position taking that heat and the responsibility now As people tried to figure out how they should feel about Mike Johnson, whether or not they could commit themselves emotionally to waking up every day with Mike Johnson and bickering over who's going to take the kids to school with Mike Johnson and whether it'll be you or Mike Johnson who has to eventually initiate a conversation about whether or not it was a good idea to leave the casino and go slightly off the Vegas Strip to get married in a small chapel. While people were going through their emotional process and figuring out where their hormones led them, a lot of people tried to develop proxies for how they should feel. You know what? It seems like everybody on CNN and MSNBC is really mad. So I guess that's a good thing. I guess I like Mike Johnson. Maybe we should get married. It's making my ex furious. Oh, hey, man, I'm thinking about leaving the casino and uh, walking down just off the Vegas Strip to that small chapel and uh, marrying this chick that I just met at the club. You know, I think that that would make Kelly furious and it might be worth it. Oh, sure. I mean, What could go wrong with that standard? Marrying someone just to get back at your ex-girlfriend. It never works. We don't need to figure out who we can emotionally commit to by proxy of how other people are reacting to the person we're thinking about emotionally committing to. Makes no sense. Lots of people did it. And likewise, a lot of people reacted to Donald Trump's reaction after reacting to Donald Trump's endorsement. As if he didn't do the same thing with Kevin McCarthy, Donald Trump would probably tell each and every one of us. Yeah, I don't want to think for you. I want you to think for yourself. That's how we make America great again. I'm Pretty sure Trump knows that and thinks that if he doesn't, that would be a problem I have with Donald Trump, but I'm fairly certain that he thinks that knowing that he thinks that it's not then supportive of Donald Trump to let him do your thinking for you and you duck out of the process. He is reflecting back to the American people that which they think and that which they come to think while leading people's thinking. You can't tell me to feel good about something because Donald Trump feels good about it. Donald Trump's not my mom or my brother or my girlfriend. I don't base my feelings on how he says I should feel or how he feels. And I can't even pretend to know how he feels. He made some public statements. Wonderful. And we'll get into his reaction as well. But these are not standards on which you should base your choice over whether or not to emotionally commit to Mike Johnson for the long term. Again, we're having a ridiculous conversation because none of that is how we should react To someone being elected speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, a place where a collection of public servants representing the wills and needs of the American people go to represent the needs of their constituents in the federal government's official body. Instead, we're pretending like he was named homecoming queen and we're wondering how he's going to look on the float in the parade. We don't need to look around and see how other people feel and then match our feelings to them. We are trying to play this game from ahead or at least from behind as little as possible. We are trying to catch up to real time, understanding we will never quite get there talking about an informational timeline. We certainly want to be ahead of the other people trying to figure out what's going on and how to react to that. At some point, we want to be able to influence events and we're very close to being able to do that. And in order to do that, we need to be thinking ahead. We need to be thinking about standards we expect to meet and then judging progress based on how that matches up to our standards and then judging our standards based on the progression of time and how those standards are influenced based on new information. We don't want to be looking around for the reactions of other people and then aping their reactions. Oh, these people like it. That means it's good. Oh, these people hate it. That means it's really good. And let's think about the groups leaving Trump aside. Let's think about the groups that liked and hated what happened yesterday. We had all of the unit party left media freaking out, and we'll get into some of that. And we had all of the unit party right cheering and cheering along with a bunch of MAGA. It was yet another narrative event that had everyone attempting to get back on the same page. Oh, these are our allies. Let's reunify around Mike Johnson. We tried on the Israel thing, but man, what a divisive issue. And the truth is, I don't know where I stand, so I can't totally get back on board with them. But Mike Johnson, we can all rally around Mike Johnson. Let's go back and we're just going to give big hugs to all those con Inc. weirdos who've lied about our elections for three years and are now supporting Ron and trying to give our money to foreign countries. But they are our allies, and it would be really nice to reunify with them. Well, let's just take a second and remember exactly who these people really, really are. This is Nikki Haley today.
0: We should be doing three things. One, support Israel, whatever they need, whenever they need it, no questions asked. Two, eliminate Hamas. Don't weaken them, eliminate them, because if we don't, they will do this again. And three, do whatever it takes to get our hostages home. But see the bigger picture of all of this. There would be no Hamas without Iran. And look at what the bigger story of this all is. You have China and Russia name themselves unlimited partners. Iran is their junior partner. Iran, China is importing all of its oil from Iran, sending billions of dollars their way that they support terrorism with. Russia is getting drones and missiles from Iran. Look at the three. What do they all have in common? They all want to destroy the West, and they all hate America.
1: Now, for a foreign policy expert, she's awfully clueless about what's happening in the world right now. Just kidding. Just kidding. She is lying on other people's behalf. Tropes about Russia, tropes about China, tropes about Iran. Are we really supposed to pretend she cares about America or American voters? She said we must give Israel, whatever it wants, militarily, diplomatically, and financially, no questions asked. Well, then why do we need a U.S. government if the Israeli government can just make our decisions for us? Why don't we remove the artifice completely and admit what we are? We are servants of a global state. That global state has proxies That it has created in Ukraine and in Israel and for that matter in the United States. Nikki Haley is not being a leader for the American people and telling her that this is so important that I believe you all should support Israel in this situation. And we should collectively work to do whatever must be done to make sure Israel can defend itself. That's not what she's saying. She's saying that the U.S. government must do whatever is necessary to support Israel, period. And doing whatever is necessary means you consenting to have your indentured servitude extended indefinitely down through the generations so that the regime's bankers can create more fiat currency from nothing, and then give it to Israel to allow the global regime to protect its proxy state there, same as we were doing in Ukraine, same as they want to do in Taiwan in the future. All of this will be war and killing to support the global regime's proxy states. We can say that the Israeli people and Jewish people have a right to defend themselves without saying that we need to do away with the idea of American sovereignty and American government completely because the Israeli government will just make our choices for us because of how important this situation is. Are we going to pretend that a major portion of the quote unquote conservative movement doesn't agree with that position? Every Ron supporter backs that for the most part They've been grunting about Israel for weeks now. Kurt Schlichter is out there just saying absolutely psychopathic shit, glorifying videos of a totally bombed out Gaza. At what point do we stop and wonder, are these people actually the same warmongering psychopaths that did so much damage and brought so much evil into our world a hundred years ago? And the truth is. Yeah, yeah, they're exactly the same psychopaths. Gosh, I wish someone had been telling us that these last three and a half years. These people are foaming at the mouth for the death and destruction to come. Why? Because they just love Israel so much that they have to shout it from the rooftops 24 hours a day. It seems like something else must be going on with these people. And then how about this? This is Rig D Meatball doing an event in New Hampshire with New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, who is one of the biggest cucks in all of the Republican establishment. It is odd, by the way, that Ron continues to go to New Hampshire and Iowa and is friends with both governors while his delusional supporters continue to say he's going to win both of those states. He's getting absolutely crushed in both places. He's getting absolutely crushed in florida and they still continue to say he's going to win in both of those states you gotta wonder if something's going on with chris sununu and kim reynolds well let's check in with chris sununu this is from a ron event they're just kind of walking around a stage together like town hall style talking to all the little people out there
3: let me give you a quick story i was in hawaii the other day and I'm talking to the Hawaii, Hawaii GOP, and they brought up this exact question. They said, well, you know, President Trump was ripped off, so we've got to get, get behind him again. And I said, okay, I'm, a, I'm an MIT guy, so let me throw some logic. If you believe the former president lost the election and, and there was, you know, rigged elections and all that sort of thing, when he was president, well, they're going to do it again, by the way, because he's not even president, and they're going to do it again, therefore he loses. If you think that he lost legitimately, guess what? He's going to lose by even a bigger margin this time. So I, I come back to, I just want to win. And I want to win with candidates that don't win by a half a percent in these states, that win by five, six, ten percent. And more importantly, bring the school board candidates over the line with them. Bring the congressional candidates, bring the mayor races, bring the entire ticket over the line unquestionably so that whatever games they're playing on the margins don't even matter anymore. To your point, it's all about looking forward. It's all about having the opportunity to put this thing to rest once and for all, to galvanize the Republican Party and, again... States are going to do what they do. There's no, I don't. I mean, I don't. I, I don't want. I would never speak for Governor DeSantis, but you know, you don't want a nationalized election process. Senator Hassan tried that. Senator Shaheen tried that. That's a joke. That would be the worst thing in the world. States have to make their own path. But to Governor DeSantis's point, you got to play by those rules. And we're not going to play with one one hand tied behind our back anymore. We're going to go after it hard. We're going to go after it in the in, as a Republican Party in the inner cities. We're going to go after it playing by their rules they're scared to death that we're going to play by their same rules. look there are some states like California God bless it. I mean my God Holy cow. you know let's just let's just move on right I mean that's all you can say about California. but the, at the end of the day this is about winning and not by winning on the margins by having candidates that galvanize the party, bring all those independents all on board bring the conservative Democrats on board and win by 10, 15, 20 percent and put the Democrats in the back seat once and for all. And I think another thing is, is, um,
4: one Republican, like all these mail ballots, I think that's total, totally wrong to just send everyone about, but, but, but the Republicans and Trump funded $400 million in March of 2020 for mail ballots. They funded
1: it out of the, out of Washington. I would never. Yes. Yes. Ron, blah, blah, blah. Yes. The COVID package. Donald Trump wrote it all himself. He was really trying to steal his own election. We get it. We get it Ron. So let's focus on Chris Sununu and the argument he just made. He just said that if you know the election was illegitimate and that Donald Trump was cheated out of the election and he wasn't able to fix it while he was president and remain publicly recognized as president, what would be different this time? They're just going to steal it from him again, in which case you need Ron because Ron can win a rigged election. And if you don't believe the election was rigged, if you believe it was legitimate, well, then you must believe that Donald Trump would lose by even more this time. Now, I don't know how that makes sense or what he would be basing that on considering Donald Trump is more popular by far than he has ever been. And every issue has directionally gone toward him. In the last three years, including and especially the fact that Joe Biden did not actually legitimately win. So there's no logic behind that whatsoever. But again, he makes the case that Ron is the only guy who can win. He also just straight up says that we want to win in the Democrat system. We're going to have to win in that system. Sounds like he doesn't have any problem with the system. It sounds like he supports that system. And why would you want a guy who supports that system? to be telling you who you should vote for to win a rigged election in that system. And I would argue that you wouldn't. But all the people who support all the spending on all these foreign wars to support these global proxy states around the world and all the people who support Ron DeSantis in order to win a rigged election, knowing that the elections are rigged, And not having the courage or strength to actually fight for the duly elected president. All of those people are super happy about Mike Johnson winning and they want to be our allies again. Oh, look at that. You guys helped us get Mike Johnson. Sure. Three weeks ago, we called you irresponsible and stupid and reckless and immature. We said that you were ruining the country and ruining the party by backing Matt Gates when he brought the motion to vacate and got rid of Kevin McCarthy. We called you every name under the sun. We called you traitors for doing that, for supporting the use of congressional rules as they were written and negotiated. Yes. Oh, you were traitors to the country for supporting that. They said that MAGA was on the side of the Democrats in doing the Democrats bidding. They said all those things. But now there are allies again because Mike Johnson is the speaker. Now, I would love if the world was so simple that we could look at what our enemies disliked and look at what our friends liked and figure out, hey, that thing must be pretty good. That would make things a lot easier. A lot faster. We would have to do a lot less thinking. But here's the problem. When you think like that, you kind of start applying that process of thinking to a whole lot of decisions in life. Decisions, for instance, about who your friends and your enemies are. So when you see an enemy dislike something and you think, oh, that must be good for me, you better be sure that the person whose judgment you're using as a proxy for your own is actually your enemy and it works in the other direction as well. You better be sure that the people you consider friends whose opinions you are inclined to share because they have them, you better be sure that those people are your friends and you can't really do that if you're always making decisions by proxy because you don't want to think about them for yourself and apply your own standards and again, that's what we see a lot of. So let's take a few minutes and see how the uniparty left reacted. I'm going to play like a five-minute segment of MSNBC on this this morning. This is from Morning Mika. The clip's like five minutes long.
5: For more than three weeks of dysfunction and chaos on Capitol Hill, the House finally has a new speaker this morning. House lawmakers elected Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the 56th. Speaker of the House, he's a conservative ally of former President Donald Trump and a low-ranking member of the GOP leadership team. After 22 days of disarray, Republican House members demonstrated remarkable unity with all 220 voting for Johnson. Shortly after the vote, the new speaker made this pledge.
6: And I want to make this commitment to you, to my colleagues here and on the other side of the aisle as well. My office is going to be known for trust and transparency and accountability, for good stewardship of the people's treasure, for the honesty and integrity that is incumbent upon us, all of us, here in the People's House.
5: Speaker Johnson will immediately have to work within his party and with the Biden White House to figure out how to fund the government before money runs out on November 17th and deliver critical aid packages to Ukraine and Israel. As for Speaker Johnson himself, he is arguably the most ideological conservative person to serve as speaker since Newt Gingrich in the 1990s. Johnson is an outspoken opponent of abortion and LGBTQ rights. The 51-year-old also played an instrumental role in the GOP's efforts to overturn the 2020 election. He led the amicus brief signed by 100 Republicans backing a Texas lawsuit, seeking, seeking to invalidate the 2020 election results in four swing states, won by President Biden the new york times called johnson quote the most important architect of the electoral college objections ahead of yesterday's vote democratic caucus chair pete aguilar of california called out johnson for his previous efforts to overturn the 2020 election results
6: this has been about one thing this has been about who can appease donald trump house republicans have put their names behind someone who has been called the most important architect of the Electoral College objections. Right. He's spearheaded. That's
5: fair, that's fair. We know how you feel. Yeah, you've made that clear. Damn right, someone in the chamber yells. Meanwhile, former President Trump congratulated the new speaker by posting on social media, quote, MAGA Mike Johnson, adding that Johnson will be, quote, a great speaker. Let's bring in the White House editor for Politico, Sam Stein, and congressional investigations reporter for the Washington Post, Jackie Alameda, and founder of the conservative website The Bulwark, Charlie Sykes and Willie. This is going to be interesting. Um, just an election denier as Speaker of the House.
7: Yeah, I mean Charlie Sykes. Just look at who celebrated the loudest yesterday. It was yeah. Donald Trump. It was Matt Gates. It was. Somehow they got uh, moderates, the New York moderates, who've been holding some of the power here. Mike Lawler, for example, they all got on board with Mike Johnson. And and the truth is, um, says someone put it to me yesterday, he's Jim Jordan with a jacket and a better haircut, which is to say he has full-throatedly supported the effort to overturn the 2020 election. Obviously very conservative on issues like abortion, LGBTQ rights. Uh, What's your assessment of where the party landed here?
2: Uh, no question, who the biggest winners are here. Um, Matt Gates, um, maybe loathed by his um, his colleagues, but he got his way, right? He blew it up. Uh, he managed uh, to torpedo uh, to torpedo uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, to, uh, to, to to block uh, Steve Scalise, to to shiv Tom Emmer, uh, and eventually did uh, get his own candidate. Uh, Adam Kinzinger describes him, um, Mike Johnson, as Jim Jordan in drag. Um, so there 's no question about it I mean this is a full MAGA. This is a full MAGA speaker. Um, you know, to describe him as one of the chief architects of the Electoral College objections actually understates um, Mike Johnson's role. I mean, Mike Johnson mm-hmm. uh, is a full-throated believer in Kraken-level conspiracy theories about Dominion, about Hugo Chavez. If he had gotten mm-hmm. his way, uh, tens of millions of votes would have been thrown out. Uh, he is a he. he may be a, a personable individual, but he is a pure ideologue. But I think it is extraordinary as we look back on all of this chaos that matt gates um and you know a handful of other members of the caucus of the people that uh john mccain called the wacko birds uh, john boehner called them legislative uh terrorists uh, ben wittis calls them the the crazed slavering jackal caucus ultimately they got their way. Yeah. and All of the normies caved in. All I mean, the, for a brief five minutes, it looked like the moderates were, were going to hold the line. But ultimately, the squishes did what squishes always do. And the fact that it was unanimous is also extraordinary.
1: So that's kind of an MSNBC meltdown, right? They want to let you know that he is a really died in the wool conservative, perhaps the most ideologically conservative speaker since Newt Gingrich, and that was like 30 years ago. We can also see that Newt Gingrich is more or less a tool of the regime. He can speak all the conservative language and sound very ideologically conservative, but that is not the standard anymore. You can say all those things and be a member of the Uniparty who's not remotely interested in serving anything other than that uniparty. The ideological conservative label means virtually nothing at this point. They say over and over and over again, he's against abortion, he's against gay marriage, and he is an election denier. Now, the abortion and gay marriage positions are good, but those should just be standard conservative positions. We have let the uniparty left define the terms by which we are able to have these conversations in public, and they have closed the Overton window around these conversations. We don't have to cater to them, which means we don't have to be overjoyed when someone hits one of the prior baselines. Is he going to do anything to change policy on either one of those issues? The answer is almost definitely no. So we can leave that aside. Now, the good part, the best part is that he is a full fledged election denier and they can repeat this stuff over and over and over again. They can call him a crack and level conspiracy theorist if they want but until someone proves that those machines can actually produce a reliable result, then the machines are part of the problem. And that's not a conspiracy theory. And worse than that, all the technical reviews of the machines, in particular, the J. Alex Halderman report, which has been in numerous court cases and is the subject of statements issued by CISA proving that the elections are not safe and secure. As Chris Krebs said, the machines are easily manipulable, and they cannot reliably produce a result that accurately reflects the will and intent of the voter. They are literally unable to add one plus one plus one plus one plus one. That is not a conspiracy theory. I am more than happy for the uniparty left media to be talking about election fraud denial 24 hours a day. If they want to harp on that with Mike Johnson, I say, bring it. So I love that that narrative element is out there. I love that there is a powerful person in government who represents that viewpoint. But I got to ask if that's your viewpoint, why are you calling Joe Biden the president right now? And why are you pretending that we have priorities when it comes to appropriations and other things? To get Joe Biden to sign off on. Now, I understand that that's not how the plan is evolving right now, but that's not an answer to the fundamental questions. And these are the questions we should be asking, because if we're going to treat all of this as normal and happening in real time, and if we're going to influence normal events happening real time in the future, then we should have some sort of position on issues like this. And the position is there is nothing important that can be legislated or done in this country until we know that our elections are made legitimate. That is a very simple principled position that is unassailably conservative. Though, for whatever reason, there are so many people incentivized to suggest otherwise, that it is somehow okay to simply carry on with this illegitimate government. Oh, if you want to remove that illegitimate government, you're going to have to win a rigged election. And once you win that rigged election, well, then you just rally the support of all the other people who've won rigged elections and had their power increased through rigged elections. And you just convince them, hey, guys, it's time for us all to unrig the elections that put us in power. Is that going to happen? <laughs> no. Or I mean, yes, if you are a Ron supporter, the most delusional conspiracy theorists in the world have the balls to call us cultists and conspiracy theorists while they are publicly stating that their guy is the only one who can win a rigged election. And that's how they know he's the man. And also 2020 wasn't actually stolen. So no one needs to fight for Donald Trump. That kind of moronic nonsense. They then went on to address some rumblings from the Republican conference about how people hadn't had enough time to properly vet Mike Johnson, as if they all just discovered the existence of Mike Johnson a couple days ago, as everyone who is now emotionally committing to Mike Johnson just did. Here's a little bit more from Willie Geist.
7: Charlie, mm-hmm. the idea that Mike Johnson's colleagues, Republican colleagues, the moderates, didn't have time to vet him properly because this was moving so quickly it doesn't pass the laugh test because it wasn't moving quickly, number one. And number two, all you have to do is Google him to find that he was one of the architects and the leaders of the effort to attempt, anyway, to overturn the 2020 election that was slapped down by the Supreme Court, ultimately with that amicus brief in the Texas lawsuit. Right. Um, but speak to the Donald Trump of it all here. I mean, for all the talk of his perhaps waning influence he was able to take out emmer when he wanted to when he decided that he wasn't the right guy because he wasn't strong enough supporter and at the end of the day he looked at mike johnson did donald trump said oh he did all that stuff on my behalf around the 2020 election congress he's the guy
1: well you knocked that one out of the park willie noticing that they didn't have time to vet mike johnson that doesn't pass the laugh test good point buddy But you nailed it on Trump, too. And I got to say, wow, you just noted that for all the reports of Donald Trump's waning influence, he took out Tom Emmer and stuck his guy in there. But did he or is that just the story from the Uniparty left and from the Uniparty right and from MAGA? Now, how could that be? Well, the uniparty left wants to marginalize everything Trump and the uniparty right wants to marginalize everything Trump. That is something that they come together on all the time. Sometimes their interests align with Trump and they say, oh, it's amazing. Trump did something good this time before going back to hating Donald Trump and his supporters because at bottom it is a hate movement. They always want to marginalize Donald Trump and his supporters. And it's relatively easy for them to do that because they know that their audience is hooked into that narrative. Their audience is part of the hate movement and they can reflect that back and forth. It is very easy for them to marginalize Trump supporters to a certain audience, the audience that watches MSNBC, the audience that watches the Daily Wire or Fox News or the Blaze or Reed's Town Hall or all the other con inc media trash. There's also this other weird company called Red Seat Ventures that I'm kind of just getting into. They have a lot of the people who seem like they are independent versions of the mainstream media, like people who kind of used to be on Fox, but are a little aside, kind of doing their own thing. They're all linked into this Red Seat Ventures thing and all seem to be ultimately supporting Ron. But all those people always want to marginalize Donald Trump and his supporters and in their portrayal of Mike Johnson here as this arch conservative who is very toxic on all the social issues, but really ideologically conservative and a hundred percent Trump's guy. So this was a big win for MAGA, big win for MAGA. Oh, we're devastated. Can't you hear them melting down? They are devastated. They can't believe it. An election denier is going to be the speaker of the house. What could be worse? You can feel the sincerity in their voice while they're saying basically the same thing the uniparty right is saying. So why would MAGA go along with that view? Well, because what they are saying is that MAGA is winning. So we can allow them to put out the narratives that help us and just let those float through the ether. Let people believe those. They are trying to manipulate people's opinions toward getting everyone back on the same page, but we can let them convince people of certain things. And Donald Trump is happy to do that as well. Why not seem like you are hands-off and hands-on the entire time? If we are in a war of stories, as Burning Bright calls it, as he and I often discuss, then it doesn't hurt us to let the enemy tell their people stories that we want told which they will occasionally do to get people back onto the same page. We don't have to believe them. We just have to understand they are telling a certain story about reality. That story about reality is actually true and benefits us. Then you just continue allowing them to say it. And when they go back to their manipulative bullshit, that's when you jump right in there and hijack that process. But if they want to tell their own viewers that, Despite everything else we have told you for three and a half years, Donald Trump actually does have his finger on the button of this entire movement all the time. In fact, he can get an original speaker elected, that same speaker taken out, and then a new speaker put in his place whenever he wants. It's pretty hard to say that Donald Trump doesn't have any support, doesn't have any power, and is totally incompetent. Forcing the truth into their narratives destroys their narratives because they are self-defeating. They are so internally inconsistent. It doesn't make any sense. And even among the child brains, among the uniparty left and uniparty right standard issue villagers, if they are thinking at all, this stuff is going to cause them problems. It makes them uncomfortable. It's cognitive dissonance. They don't like it. They hate it. In fact which is part of why they believe that their hatred for Trump and his supporters is justified, because the presence of Trump and his supporters in the world causes them so much mental anguish. Now, that is the result of mental illness and a bunch of emotional problems and a total inversion within the false reality. But the truth is that Donald Trump and all of us have been trying to help them out of that for a pretty long time now. But the point is, you have the uniparty left saying we hate him for all of these reasons. And then you have the uniparty right saying we love him for all of these exact same reasons. And then they fight over those reasons. And the controlled opposition dynamic has been built up around Mike Johnson, in just two days, we know all of the things that will operate within that controlled opposition dynamic. And one side is going to have to get Mike Johnson's back at all costs because this was our big win. This is our guy. We need this guy to win. And we're going to forgive him when he does all the stuff the regime wants him to do. And the unit party left. Oh, we have to defeat Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson is our new enemy. He represents everything we hate. He doesn't like abortion. He doesn't like gays. And he doesn't believe that Joe Biden is the real president. This guy represents everything that's wrong with the country. He's basically just one of those MAGA supporters himself. You know what we're going to need to do? We're going to need to figure out a way to censor the Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. And you think, ah, that's crazy. They would never do that. But despite everything that's come out about the government and its involvement in censorship of the American citizenry in direct violation of the First Amendment, you still have Senator Amy Klobuchar out there trying to get Substack and Rumble content censored. And just for the record, by the way, I don't think that either of them are going to be taken down. But hey, if I get kicked off of one or off of both, I'll figure it out and you'll just find me somewhere else and it'll be okay. I think that we're going to be all right with Telegram. We're going to be all right with Truth Social to the extent that Rumble is wrapped up in that. I can't see Rumble censoring or being taken down, but that is off somewhere in the great unknown and I can't predict the future. And just one more clip. This is the slightly less manly Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes.
6: They have successfully in their own conference imposed minority will on the conference.
1: They have a vanguardist vision of how to do this. They tried to impose a minority president on the United States. They then had a rump faction of eight votes that broke the conference. And when Steve Scalise won the internal vote, they said, no, we don't accept it. They have gotten their way as a minoritarian vanguardist movement. At many steps, they think they could do it for the whole government.
6: Absolutely. But they, they can't on the, on the policy matters. <laughs> yes. and the, have, the thing is, all of the things that you talked about in your, in your monologue about who he is, Republicans don't bat an eye about that stuff. All oh, the
5: of things you know. listen to are pretty like
6: mainstream for the conference yeah, sure. right now. The reality is you just can't make those things policy. Now, they can stop things. And I think we need to be very concerned about the ability of the House to process funding for Ukraine. They, they can not do things. Yeah. But actually proactively bringing bills to the floor on, on abortion, they already did that. It was the first thing the House did, This yep. Congress, was a series of bills on abortion. So, like, that's not changing, but it's not going anywhere. Now, what would what, what, what happen potentially if Mike Johnson is Speaker of the House when we need to certify the next presidential election? Keep a close eye on that. Yes. In, in terms of, like, <laughs> imposing their will on Medicare and Social Security, I, I don't think you need to be, lose much sleep about it, Chris.
1: So meltdown, freak out. And then remind everybody, Mike Johnson can't actually do anything about those issues. You should hate him, but don't fear him because he can't do anything except, except what if election denying Mike Johnson is the speaker of the house when it comes to certifying the next presidential election? What if he's the speaker of the house that could be presiding over a contingent election? And I don't know about you, but that makes me think about Liz Cheney. On with Jake Tapper over the weekend. I suggested I thought that she might eventually become speaker. I still think there's a pathway. If they try to remove Mike Johnson again, I would not be remotely surprised if establishment Republicans come with a motion to vacate against Mike Johnson. And I wouldn't be remotely surprised if establishment conservative media went out and made the case that Mike Johnson needed to be removed. In fact, I think that they probably wanted to do that on the Israel issue. And maybe Mike Johnson passing that resolution was shielding from exactly that. You could see conservative incorporated media getting on board with Mike Johnson's ouster if he refused to provide weapons and aid to Ukraine or Israel. By the way, for whatever reason and under, I guess, some authority, Ron DeSantis is sending cargo planes with healthcare supplies, drones, body armor, and helmets to Israel right now. That is according to Ron's own office. I guess when Ron says he wants to make America Florida, part of that is that he wants to put Israel's needs above the needs of his own constituents, like he does. With his whole governorship, considering he's been gone the entire time and started running for president before he was even reelected governor. The clip was going around last night from his debate with the Democrat hack and ringer candidate who was put up for him to destroy Charlie Crist, where Charlie Crist asks him if he will commit to being Florida's governor for four years if elected. And Ron doesn't even answer the question. He just stands there silent because the rules are that the candidates can't ask each other questions. Ron also keeps challenging Donald Trump to a debate without his teleprompter. That's Ron's new thing. Trump uses a teleprompter clown show. Trump knows the issues better than anyone knows the issues. He talks about them on show after show after show, interview after interview after interview, television, radio, podcasts. He goes off the cuff for minutes Sometimes a half an hour at a time in his rally speeches and other speeches. It's just so silly and so absurd and so pathetic. Ron can't even win the debates against Trump when Trump's not there. And he can't win the debates against the other six nobodies on stage. He's also about to lose a debate next week, I think, to Gavin Newsom. Ron doesn't deserve the publicity of Trump debates when he can't win the debates he already has. Ron went and did that campaign event with Chris and Nunu, and it's only made Ron standing worse. Everything he does makes things worse because what he is doing is terrible. Now, I don't know that anything is going to come from this contingent election stuff. But when something comes up like that, something kind of obscure that doesn't need mentioning, like why are they thinking so much about this possibility when something like that continues to come up? You have to think that maybe there's something there and it's worth paying attention to. They are considering 15 plus months out what might happen in a contingent election scenario after the 2024 election. It's a bit of a strange concern and worrying about who speaker is another reason why you might see Mike Johnson taken out and replaced with a Liz Cheney or a Hakeem Jeffries. I obviously don't know that's what's going to happen, but it's worth keeping in the back of your head. It's not like we just drafted a franchise quarterback in the first round, and now we're like, oh, this guy's going to be the quarterback for the next 15 years. If there's one position we don't have to worry about, it's quarterback. It's not like that at all. Although, for some reason, a lot of people are emotionally committing to Mike Johnson for the long term, which is like committing to that first round quarterback and not realizing that his knee could get blown out in the first game of his rookie season and the next 15 years would be totally shot. Regardless, it's a narrative element that is absolutely worth thinking about because it keeps coming up again and again and again. Election denier Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, in a contingent election scenario or a scenario where there will be objections To the election results. Maybe the regime felt comfortable with Kevin McCarthy in Nancy Pelosi's prior role, and now they're concerned with Mike Johnson. Maybe that's what happens. We're just going to have to see how it plays out. Here is another reaction from the uniparty left. This is Jamal Bowman. He of the Fire alarm pulling. There is now video out where he took the fire alarm warning signs down off the doors before pulling the fire alarm. And apparently he is going to be charged with this great crime as much as the January 6th people. No, probably not. Has Mike Johnson released the January 6th footage yet? No, but he had to do that Israel resolution thing. But Jamal Bowman yesterday on the X platform. Representative Mike Johnson is now Speaker of the House. This is someone who denied the 2020 election, opposes abortion, and LGBTQ rights. What can we do? Get involved. This is a crucial moment. With an election denier second in line to the presidency, House Republicans could work to dismantle our democracy from within. They can make it harder for you to vote and overturn the results of elections they don't like. Really? How are they going to do that? How are they going to do that? That's why it's crucial for all of us to get involved and stay involved in every election, local, state and federal from now on. And for the record, the Democrats actually did try to do that. H.R. won in the incoming Congress in twenty twenty one after the stolen elections. Their first priority was trying to federalize elections and make federal election policy that all of the states had to follow in direct opposition to the black and white text of the Constitution in direct violation and everybody just said well we better protect those elections we wouldn't want another one of those very violent insurrection thingies if we try to stage two reichstag fires (laughs) those retards might figure it out but jamal bowman goes on and we need the voices and ideas of new fresh and young people from diverse backgrounds to help us change this whole thing every election matters now more than ever Your vote is your voice, and it's the only way to make sure that your voice is heard. Hey, we know the votes don't count, buddy. Speak out on issues and let your representatives hear from you. Wait a second. You just said that your vote is the only way to make sure that your voice is heard. So how are we going to let our representatives hear from us if it's not through our vote? Right, Jamal? I mean, you're a, yeah, yeah, you're a, you're a smart guy. You're a smart guy, Jamal. Okay. Don't let the election deniers silence you. Stand up and stand out. The future of our democracy depends on it. And he enclosed a picture of Mike Johnson. Oh, how nice. So the Democrats say that Mike Johnson is very dangerous. The people on TV on the Union party left all oh, they melt down. That means we should be happy. We need to figure out how to feel about this Mike Johnson thing. Having only found out who he was two days ago. Now we find ourselves totally married to him because we took him from the casino. We walked him down off the Las Vegas strip into that little chapel. And we emotionally committed our lives to one Mike Johnson. But now... Now we have to do the hard work of figuring out how we're supposed to feel about Mike Johnson. And people do say it that way and don't even realize how weird that is. How are we supposed to feel about Mike Johnson? I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about Mike Johnson. Hey, why don't you just feel how you feel and think how you think? And why don't instead of feeling first, Why don't you just think for a while, maybe the whole time, maybe you never even develop feelings over Mike Johnson. (laughs) I know it's crazy, but on the other hand, he is a stranger who is a public servant getting marched down the hallowed halls of Congress by a troop of like 20 people as they celebrate his importance. But don't listen to me guys. <laughs> I'm crazy. The Uniparty left is very scared. The Uniparty right is very happy. And MAGA is happy to unify again with the Uniparty right. They are our allies again until they betray us again. But then after that, oh, we'll forgive them because we need help and we only enjoy the crumbs and the scrapings. More gruel, please, sir. It's just too hard to let go of glenn beck and sean hannity and ann coulter and i get it guys you are good faithful conservatives once you emotionally commit to a television host it's really hard to let them go imagine just saying goodbye to sean hannity he wouldn't even know how are either of you supposed to get closure they're all telling us that it is great that mike johnson is now in his position, despite having told us just a few weeks ago that even if Jim Jordan ended up being the guy to replace Kevin McCarthy, a man who was more conservative, Matt Gates still wouldn't get any credit for it. MAGA would not be given credit even if they got the outcome they wanted. And we're told Gates and Trump undermined and knifed Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan and Tom Emmer after already knifing Kevin McCarthy, and they did it all and it worked because they got one of their own. So after we were told that MAGA was going to get no credit, now MAGA is getting credit, but also getting pushback and also being encouraged by members of the Uniparty not to like Mike Johnson, the Daily Wire, the world's leading producer of trans content, one of their main trans content producers. In fact, the single biggest producer of trans content in the entire world. Matt Walsh last night, put out a video of Mike Johnson talking about his biracial kids and how his adopted black son has a harder time with certain things. And Johnson attributes that to race. And so the pushback was that Johnson is now a proponent of critical race theory. He also said certain things about George Floyd in 2020, as many people did. I would give him no excuse for any of those things, but I am going to be cautious about what sorts of people are immediately trying to sully the image of Mike Johnson within the conservative normosphere, And it happens to be the leading producer of trans content online matt walsh again why is it that these guys never addressed election fraud and they just produce trans content all the time 24 hours a day so that people who are wowed by their own ability to understand who has the wee wees and who has the hoo has at a very high level can pat themselves on the back all day while staring in the mirror. Oh, hey, buddy, you are the world's greatest at telling who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo has You have like a 99.99% accuracy rating. Gosh, that is amazing. You're almost never wrong. And everybody cheers. Oh, wow. These are our new gods. We should worship them. They know who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo haws. Now, Mike Johnson cannot simultaneously be the most ideologically conservative speaker in 30 years and also be a supporter of critical race theory and also be against gay marriage and abortion. There's just no way this could happen even if his adopted kid is black. And I don't know what the truth is. I'm not trying to figure out whether or not I can emotionally commit to Mike Johnson for the long term. The fact that he talked about racial differences and was wrong about George Floyd is just information among other information. Is that more important than the fact that he was involved with the amicus brief to go along with the lawsuit arguing that states had a constitutional interest in whether or not other states were running their elections legitimately when it comes to electing a president? Well, no, that second bit of information is far more important to me than the opinions on race of a man who has kids of multiple races and may have a different experience than our own experience or than what we might imagine the typical experience to be in the abstract. Or maybe he just has an opinion that might need to evolve a bit or maybe isn't directly applicable to politics and should be something that is handled, dealt with, talked about within families and friend groups and communities and does not need to be legislated about. I'm certainly not going to go trying to take opinions from people who don't talk about election fraud at all and instead just produce trans content 24 hours a day. Let's get some more from the conservative establishment. This is GOP representative Mike Kelly of Pennsylvania to CNN. After being asked how this speaker process affected the Republican agenda in the house, he said, it's sad. It shouldn't be this way. Oh, that's too bad. The GOP agenda in the house. Oh gosh. They were going to accomplish so much for Americans. This has not been a good moment. Said Republican representative Mario Diaz-Balart of Florida. So to minimize that would be ludicrous because it's something that's never happened. It's totally derailed our agenda. And I think it's been very hurtful. We need now to look for ways to move forward. And Diaz-Balart was one of those guys voting against Jim Jordan. He is another typical establishment Republican who eventually must be dealt with and removed. These people are worthless. Them having a little R next to their name doesn't mean anything. It's just the Uniparty. So what you're seeing is an attempt to tie Mike Johnson to MAGA and then make the taking down of Mike Johnson palatable to standard issue villagers on the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right. They will both be hoping for Mike Johnson to be taken down, so that when some rhino does it, the uniparty left applauds and the uniparty right gets an opportunity to marginalize Trump and his supporters and tell them, you're just not prepared to govern. Now, do I know that's what's going to happen? No, of course not. But I do know that we need to be trying to look around the bend and know what's there. We don't need to get back on the same page. With people whose number one priority is to destroy MAGA and MAGA supporters, their priorities didn't change yesterday. They didn't go from people who hate us to people who now love us. They're not out there singing Matt Gaetz's praises. Wow. Matt Gaetz is the smartest conservative member of the house of representatives in a generation. He argued for the motion to vacate to be included in the rules. He forced it to be included in the rules and exercised leverage to get it in. And then when McCarthy approved these ridiculous spending measures, Matt Gates exercised the leverage he had built through the negotiation of those rules. And he got that speaker removed and replaced with a better, more conservative speaker. Where is all of the praise for Matt Gates? The truth is, it's been nowhere. They've insulted Matt Gates at every step of the process. And by proxy, that means they're insulting you. As always, you don't have to go with my interpretation of this. It just is a strange pattern that just continually repeats somehow. When the people who are constantly trying to destroy you and constantly trying to help the uniparty left take down Donald Trump. When those people tell you, Hey, it's time to ally with us. Once again, back over here, where we like you to be, you should probably get a little suspicious. It would be like if the Roadrunner was just telling you exactly where on the road you needed to stand just for a second. Oh, the road runner wants to take your picture. Just stand on that X. Oh, yeah, I know it's on train tracks. That's what's going to make this photo so cool. You're daring enough to stand on train tracks. Oh, the train ran over you. Who could have seen that coming? Let's see how Donald Trump reacted. He stepped out of the courthouse yesterday where Michael Cohen is the current person destroying the prosecutor's case in New York. This is the Peekaboo James case. Another absurdity that we just have to watch play out while people think it's very real. It turns out pinning your case to Michael Cohen may not have been the best idea. But here's Trump reacting to Mike Johnson.
6: Thank you very much.
1: And I just want to congratulate Mike Johnson. He will be a great Speaker of the House, and we were very happy to have helped. I've known him for a long time. He's a tremendous leader comes from a wonderful place, Louisiana, he's going to be, he's going to make us all proud. So at this time yesterday, nobody was thinking of Mike, and then we put out the word, and now he's the Speaker of the House, so I want to just uh, thank all of the supporters that I have, and I want to thank all of the supporters that Mike has, and again, he'll be a great speaker, I think you're going to be very proud of him. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, So Trump congratulates Mike Johnson, says he thinks Mike Johnson will make us all very proud. And that could absolutely happen even if they end up taking Mike Johnson out of his position. But how that will occur remains to be seen. Trump also posted on Truth Social MAGA Mike Johnson in all capital letters. Make America great again, Mike Johnson. Maybe that's what he's saying. Maybe there's something else going on in his mind when he truths that post out. Trump also mostly endorsed Mike Johnson in that process and took credit for Mike Johnson becoming speaker. He clearly has some involvement with the process. Here was his statement. Congratulations to congressional Republicans. And this is from yesterday, by the way. So he is referring to the process as it played out Tuesday afternoon. Yesterday was a very big and important day. It gave us a quick and easy way forward with five candidates who are beyond reproach and represent the absolute best there is in the Republican Party. Even the fake news media is impressed with what took place yesterday and, more importantly, with the candidates themselves. Congratulations to Representatives Byron Donalds of Florida, Charles J. Chuck Fleischman of Tennessee, Mark Green of Tennessee, and Roger Williams of Texas, and the ultimate winner of yesterday's vote by a significant margin, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. I'm not going to make an endorsement in this race because, in caps, I could never go against any of these fine and very talented men, and then back to lowercase, all of whom have supported me in both mind and spirit from the very beginning of our great 2016 victory. In 2024, we will have an even bigger and more important win. My strong suggestion is to go with the leading candidate, Mike Johnson, and get it done fast in caps, love DJT. So that was early in the morning yesterday. Now, Chuck Fleischman And Roger Williams, to my knowledge, were never mentioned in that process. So you got to wonder why Trump is bringing them up. Maybe he wants them to get some national recognition as this statement is reprinted. Maybe I just missed hearing about some part of the process. But Trump didn't endorse. He just suggested that they go with the leading candidate. And all of a sudden, a few hours later, there was an absolutely unanimous Republican vote for Mike Johnson. And they were all kind of laughing about it in the chamber. It was jovial among the Republicans. It was even a bit jovial among the Democrats because everybody walked into the chamber knowing it was a done deal. Now, I didn't know that. And I was still hopeful that we would have no speaker. But it's quite clear that everybody involved in the process did know. They knew it was a done deal. The Republicans were voting for Mike Johnson as a speaker. That was it. They even had the Mike Johnson speaker of the house sign made up and a worker in the Capitol was filmed as he nailed it up above the door of the speaker's office. And that little piece of video went viral. So everybody was told just minutes after the vote was taken that everybody knew the whole time. I mean, that's what that means. When that piece of video comes out in the minutes following him being named Speaker of the House, it was clear that the sign had already been made. Now, is this a big deal? Not really, but at the same time, why do we need that decision to be made behind closed doors and then performed for us in a grand ceremony? Why didn't they just say, oh, yeah, it's Mike Johnson. They already voted. Everyone in the building knows that all of the Republicans are voting for Mike Johnson. I mean, we were told before the Jim Jordan votes, we are going to have a speaker today. We are going to have a speaker today. We don't need the show. Just tell us. So finally, Mike Johnson was able to get up and give his speech. And a lot of that was about governing all of the platitudes about how this is what the American people send us here to do. And we have all these priorities about these things that we must accomplish. Now, Mike Johnson seems to be and reportedly is a devout Christian man. And he talked about his faith and all of that was lovely. But we've certainly heard other politicians talk about all of that before while going on to lie and be generally terrible people. So it's great to hear it from a speaker of the house. And he certainly speaks the language of the faithful and seems to share the priorities of the faithful in this country. But again, he's a public servant and we don't know him personally. For me right now, that's neutral. I can like the messaging. I can be glad that the messaging is getting out there, but if he's putting out all that messaging and then doesn't turn out to be the person he's being portrayed to be, what would that ultimately say about the messaging? I just know from my experience as being an atheist, most of my adult life, part of my complaint with religious people is that they often professed a bunch of things that they didn't act out in real life, which then only made their professed beliefs seem like part of a bigger lie. Now, I'm not telling you how to think about his words. I'm just saying when I hear that stuff, I tend to be skeptical about it. I tend to try to stay neutral about that. I want to see those words play out in actions before I actually believe that that person means what they say. I'm happy to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he is a good man, But I'm not just going to believe that and then give the man a free pass. That's just not going to happen. The one part of his speech that I really did enjoy yesterday was that he talked about decentralizing power from the federal government and even decentralizing power from various stations within the House. It wasn't going to be ruled from the top down as it was under Nancy Pelosi. They were going to welcome a whole lot more voices into the process. It wasn't just going to be the leaders of the five families. As we discussed last week, decentralization is one of the key themes of this time. You have to understand decentralization in all its forms and how it can happen in any arena. If you're looking toward the future about anything, a good question to ask yourself to guide your thought process is, What will it look like when this thing becomes more decentralized? What would decentralization mean for this thing? That will often lead you to good conclusions about where we are headed in the future, because decentralization is happening everywhere. And those who can maximize on decentralized situations as they evolve are going to be ahead of the game, generally speaking. So I love when he said all that stuff. Now, I would be remiss not to play Matt Gates's explanation of how this process went down on Tuesday evening and what happened with Kevin McCarthy, because ultimately this is going to be key to however this situation evolves over the coming weeks and months.
4: The, ch- the chapter of this that was dispositive, the crescendo begins as uh, Tom Emmer is withdrawing from the race yesterday. It, I told Emmer on Sunday he was not going to get there. He was going to move like a hot knife through butter through about the first you know 80% of the conference, but that there was going to be a series of votes that were never going to be there for him. He wanted to run through it, and I said, Tom, here's the deal. Uh, you can have your runway, but when you get to that last group that will not support you, you cannot drag this on for days, You cannot drag this on for weeks. You cannot play into what Kevin McCarthy was working the whole time to try to get people to believe that the only person that could govern the Republican conference is Kevin McCarthy. So Emmer agrees that he's going to have his shot, but that that it's going to be quick. So we get that through the gestation system uh, early yesterday. So as Emmer is withdrawing, Mark Molinaro, a moderate New York freshman Republican, stands up at the microphone and says, well, instead of restarting this process and having a candidate forum and sending everybody home for a good cry, let's just take a non-binding poll on where people would be on the person who came in second to Tom Emmer, and that was Mike Johnson. And Elise Stefanik said, well, that's against the rules. The, The rules don't contemplate it. We can't do that. And brilliantly, Mark Molinaro says, then I move for unanimous consent that the rules be waived and we take a poll on whether or not Mike Johnson uh, could be our speaker nominee. And guess who objects to that unanimous consent request? Kevin McCarthy. Who was that? Kevin McCarthy stands up oh, and interrupts and says, I object to doing a roll call on Mike Johnson. And Mike Johnson was exasperated. All the times Johnson had voted for McCarthy, had carried his water, maybe even voted for some bills he didn't like because he, w- he was working toward the Republican conferences stated objectives under McCarthy. And, and here was the thing. It showed everyone that it was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Scalise. It was actually McCarthy who was working to knife Jim Jordan. It was McCarthy working to knife everyone, and he hadn't yet figured out a way to knife Mike Johnson. And so he was worried that there was going to be this great unifying moment, and he scuttled the unifying moment. So because of McCarthy's objection, we had to have this three-hour delay, and you know candidates announce again, have another form. And guess what happens during that delay, Steve? Patrick McHenry runs to the House floor, opens it up out of recess, and then adjourns till noon today. Now, why did he do that? Because they were setting up a play to block Mike Johnson with write-in votes in the intra-conference process for Kevin McCarthy. They were promising people hearings on their favorite legislation, passage of bills. I heard people promised, oh, maybe you'll get a, a chairmanship. And, and the play was for McCarthy to return as speaker and then Jim Jordan to be the deputy speaker in some sort of like Dwight Schrute assistant to the regional manager posture. And that would have been debasing to Jordan, someone I like a great deal, and it would have been empowering to McCarthy. So Garrett Graves and all these people are working to try to effectuate this return of McCarthy, and they're telling us there are going to be 100 votes for McCarthy on the right end. You know how many there were? 33 on the first write-in. So they flame out terribly. Mike Johnson's gaining momentum. Ultimately, my, uh, McCarthy gets 43 to vote for him on a secret ballot, but Mike Johnson gets a majority. And then he says, you know what I want? I want a roll call vote. So that those 43 would have to announce themselves as, as being for a candidate who wasn't even running instead of a unifying force like Mike Johnson. And when we called for the roll call, do you know how many people voted for Kevin McCarthy? Zero. He went from to four.
1: He went he, zero. So how about that First, some palace intrigue? Kevin McCarthy tried to hijack the process. Kevin McCarthy is now having the blame laid at his feet for the failure of the conference to support Scalise, for the failure to support Jordan, for the failure to support Emmer. All of that is being laid at Kevin McCarthy's feet, and all of that is being used as the justification For how Mike Johnson ended up getting a unanimous vote on the House floor yesterday by Republicans. All of those moderate, rhino, uniparty right Republicans who have protested against Gates and Jordan and the rest of it, they all went along with it because their other choice was to be exposed as people who were basically bribing and bartering for power in order to support Kevin McCarthy. Now, Kevin McCarthy was endorsed by Trump. Is there a chance that Kevin McCarthy was sent out there as bait, like undercover in a sense, offering these deals to see who the takers were, see who the true rhino sellouts, the true uniparty regime sellouts were among the Republican conference. I guess we'll see in the future. Is there a possibility? I suppose there is. That's another reason why we don't simply say Kevin McCarthy's bad. I have figured out how to feel about Kevin McCarthy and I feel like a spurned lover. I am not going to emotionally commit myself to Kevin McCarthy any longer. In fact, the fact that I emotionally committed to him in the first place leaves me feeling spurned and dejected. Hell hath no fury like a person spurned by their emotional commitment to a speaker of the United States House of Representatives. I know it's my responsibility not to fall in love with every public servant I see, but call me a slut. It's just what I do. So who ultimately holds on to all that leverage? Does Kevin McCarthy hold on to all that leverage, or has Kevin McCarthy passed that leverage off to someone else? If Kevin McCarthy has that leverage, how will he use it? Ooh, we will see as the world turns. So much palace entry. Now, why isn't Kevin McCarthy himself facing a backlash? Why aren't people very, very upset at Kevin McCarthy? Why isn't the conservative establishment upset at Kevin McCarthy for being outed in this way? I guess that remains to be seen as well. Will we figure out who these 43 Republicans are? I bet we will at some point, and it could be in the process of taking down Mike Johnson. But the point with all of this is to say we actually don't need to figure out how we feel about Mike Johnson, because we're not going to emotionally commit to a speaker of the United States House of Representatives, because that doesn't make any sense, any sense at all. They are public servants. They are not our rulers. They're not our gods. They're not our Kings. They are strangers. They're not even our friends. We're not going to emotionally commit to them. We are going to watch what they do and then be either pleased with their work or displeased with their work. And if we are displeased with their work, we're going to tell people about it and we will demand for them to be better. Because they are public servants and they are meant to be doing what we want. We are not meant to be told by them how to feel about the things that they are going to do, whether or not we like them. We need to correct our understanding on all of this. And if you want to take the view that it is all just a plan and playing out in front of us, then again, a reason to feel absolutely nothing about it other than, I suppose, entertained. But if you're feeling that and you're not doing anything to improve the country in your own life, in your own family, in your friend group, at work or in your community, well, what are you doing? Because the whole charade might be fake, but the rest of it's real. We have to figure out how to interact with all these things at the same time. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or Go Direct, shop.spreadshirt.com, slash cancel couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko fi.com, slash I'm Your Moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes